0: Living in humility. Now, what in the world does that mean? And how do we do that? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. And on this program, we study the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22. Very interesting. And today we're going to look at James chapter 4 in about five minutes. So
1: stay there. Right now, Ryan is with us. What's going on, Ryan? All right. Well, today, James mentions Job, and Job lived a long time ago, possibly even during the Ice Age. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. All right. Very good. Janice?
2: It's our Friday wrap-up question today. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Philemon to James chapter 5. I hope you're ready.
0: All right. Good. Now, the question will be given to you. James is with us here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're going to be tested, Jim.
3: Yes. James is a very distinguished (laughs) man. <laughs> I, I don't claim uh, to have uh, super knowledge, so you might catch me on something, All but right. I'll try. We'll All do.
0: right, very good. Let's get to the program.
2: James 4, 5-17 Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. James chapter 4 verses 5 through 17.
0: James chapter four and five, that's what we read today as we rapidly come to the end of the year, just a few, actually about a week and several days away. And it's interesting. Thank you if you've joined us this year and read through the Bible for the first time, great to have you do that. But the way we live in our lives today centers around what we've been taught and what we have learned. Now, many times our learning is subject to our education. And the more educated we are in human things, the more human we become. But we're spiritual creatures in our essence. When we are educated in human things by the world, we are taught to subtly dismiss our spirituality and adopt a more earthly meaning that leads us into a fatal flaw because of our sin condition. Well, the book of James confronts our sinful wrongs with many divine rights. As we relearn who we are and where we're going in our life, James the Just, the half-brother of Jesus, is one of the most dedicated apostles in the New Testament. James emerges after Christ rose from the dead and led the church for 30 years according to church tradition very interesting you know he was very intense take your bible guide and turn to today's passage it's a really good one james chapter 4 and if you don't have the bible guide why not write to us or call us and get your bible guide you need to get it right away because we're going through january in just a few days and we're beginning in genesis again with all new material it's going to be very exciting and we encourage you to join us and to be ready to go through the word of god but nevertheless, take your Bible guide and go there. You can call us or write us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. It'll take you to a page where you can download it exactly how we printed it. So you can be with us right away. We have several, over 10,000 people that do that right now. So that's good. All right, so let's focus on this and let's pray about it. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to hear the book of James. He writes and his soul is is exuding the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in his words. Help us, Father, your Holy Spirit to be in our lives and to wake up and help us to take these words and make them real. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, make it so. Amen. All right. James chapter four is interesting. He starts the chapter But we get down to verse five, and this is where it starts to talk to us specifically about something that I wanted to highlight today. He says, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, just look at that. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, sprint away from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Oh, my goodness, this is fascinating. Beloved, we must live in humble repentance before God. Understanding we're sinners. In humble repentance if we are to have success as christians when we turn away from sin it will begin to turn away from us now this is hard for some people because we came through a time in the last 30 years when everybody was talking about self-esteem you got to build yourself up and think good of yourself i'm not really talking about that what i'm talking about is god loves us so much he thinks so highly of us that We don't need to build our self-esteem. We need to realize God's love for us. And when we realize that God has loved us and intensely wants us, then suddenly that changes how we think. And we have to learn that the Lord is bigger than all of our problems. And so, beloved, when we see that, we begin to understand what God is saying here. Now, let's go on because chapter 4, verse 11 gets more interesting. It says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? (laughs) Uh, This brings me to the second point. Christians should never become judges using critical and malicious talk against each other and themselves. We should be concerned about our own sins and not about others. And beloved, how do you deal with sin? How do you do that? Very simple. You come to Jesus Christ and you say, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. And do you know what he does? He doesn't cast you out and say, yeah, you're a dirty, filthy, rotten sinner. It's not what he does. He says, I've been waiting for you to come so I can heal you because you are so important to the kingdom of God. Do you see the subtlety there? You are so important to me that I gave my life for you, Jesus says. So we need to understand that. That's how God speaks to us. So it becomes very, very important that we hear the Lord today in this message. All right. Now, let's go back to the scripture in chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. We shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I'm telling you, this is really important. If God is the Lord of our lives, we must do what he wills for us. When we recognize that all things come from God's hands, our hopes and plans belong to him and his counsel. A lot of people have always said to me, I just want the will of God in my life. I want the will of God. Well, are you reading the Bible on a daily basis? Are you praying on a regular basis several times a day? Staying close to God, this is what his will is so that he can communicate to us and he can help us. And I'll be praying many times and God will challenge me and say, don't pray that way. Pray this way. And I'll say, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I I got ahead of myself. And that's what we need to do. Father, I pray today that you would help me not to get ahead of myself. Help me to hear you, Lord. And you speak through others. You speak through others, our spouses and others. Help us to hear you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and we said together, make it so, or amen.
1: Welcome back to the program. Today our reading is James chapters four and five, and in verse 11 of chapter five, James makes reference to the man Job. Now, most Jewish and Christian scholars believe that Job lived a very long time ago, maybe sometime around when Abraham lived. And there are clues in the text to suggest that. And one of those is found in Job 38 verses 29 and 30, which just might be an allusion to the ice age, believe it or not. The language used is definitely very interesting. But whether these verses are referring to the Ice Age or not, the events recorded in the Book of Job are almost definitely contemporary with this great freeze. Now, generally speaking, if you ask a scientist who rejects or ignores the early history of the Bible in Genesis 1-11, to in particular the Genesis Flood, he or she will tell you that there were several ice ages over many millions of years. On the other hand, a scientist who fully accepts and embraces the early history in the Bible, especially the global flood, will tell you that there was only one ice age that lasted less than 1,000 years. And though it's true that the Bible never directly mentions the ice age, it gives, us a key, it gives us key events that helps us to extrapolate like Noah's flood. Check it out. Out of the Bible's 66 books, Job has some particularly unique features. For example, apart from Genesis 1 to 11, it is probably the Bible's oldest book. It also contains more references to creation, the flood, and other primeval events than any other book of the Bible except Genesis, and also seems to contain more modern scientific insights than any other book of the Bible. Some scholars and scientists even think it may contain a reference to the Ice Age. It is true that Job has more mentions of snow, ice, and cold than any of the other biblical books. For instance, in what could be an allusion to the Ice age, Job chapter 38 verses 29 and 30 says, "From whose womb comes the ice, and the frost of heaven who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. As Dr. Henry Morris commented, This unusual picture of a sheet of ice slowly coming forward as if emerging from a womb may well refer to the ice sheet of the Great Ice Age that covered the northern latitudes for many centuries following the flood. Whether this be a reference to the Ice Age or not, the events recorded in this book would have been almost certainly contemporaneous with this great freeze. Although most secular scientists believe that there have been 30 or more ice ages over many millions of years, early Biblical history provides a very different and more satisfactory view. One reason for this is because while mainstream science has no viable starting mechanism to explain even one ice age, let alone 30, the Bible does. As meteorologist Michael Ord points out, to cause an ice age, rare conditions are required. Warm oceans for high precipitation, and cool summers for lack of melting the snow. Interestingly, as Henry Morris already alluded to, the climactic conditions following the Genesis Flood provided these exact conditions. For instance, during the deluge there were underwater volcanic eruptions, as indicated by the bursting forth of the fountains of the Great Deep in Genesis 7, verse 11. As the crust of the earth broke open, hot water and lava released into the oceans, making the post-flood ocean waters warm from pole to pole. On top of this, for several years after the Flood, there would have been large amounts of volcanic activity, sending dust and debris into the atmosphere. These volcanic particles would reflect some of the sun's light back into space, causing cooler summers. As far as the length of this biblical ice age is concerned, according to the best estimates, it would have reached its peak 500 years after the Flood, and would have fully melted 200 years later, making it a total of 700 years. If so, it means the Ice Age lasted from roughly 2350 to 1650 BC. Interestingly, many scholars date Job's life to within this very time span. While this doesn't automatically mean that Job 38, 29, and 30 is a reference to the Ice Age, the timing does at least make it conceivable. So the global flood seems to be the mechanism that kickstarted the Ice Age. As Michael Ord pointed out, warmer oceans and cooler summers are a recipe for ice buildup. But just so there's no confusion, I wanted to make it clear that the ice sheets that formed during the Ice Age didn't cover the whole globe. As a matter of fact, that's probably why the Ice Age is never directly mentioned in the Bible. The Scandinavian ice sheet and mountain ice caps were farther north than the region where the Bible was written. Only an increase in the snow coverage of Mount Hermon and possibly more frequent snowfalls on the high areas of the Middle East would have been evident to those living in Israel. It's the same with Job. Well, it is true that Job didn't live in the northern latitudes where the ice sheets formed, it is still possible that during the winters he observed lake ice and frost, especially if temperatures were lower because of the ice age. You know, it's really fascinating when you study the
0: ice age and some of the things that the world has gone through, mm-hmm. uh, when you apply the flood of Noah to it, it gets really, really interesting. Yeah, so- the flood of Noah is a major
1: key. Yeah, in in a lot of
0: things. Yeah, it is. Okay, so let's get to the question. All right.
2: Yes. All right. So today we're going to put Ryan and Jim on the spot, as well as you at home. And I've got lots of people that play along. So here it is. Anywhere from Philemon to James 5. While in prison, Paul meets a fellow prisoner and writes an appeal letter about him to Philemon. What was that prisoner's name? Was it Archippus, Epaphras, or Anissimus? Which of those three was that prisoner that Paul met and wrote an appeal letter mm-hmm. to Philemon? The or wisdom Philemon, over here. as you say. <laughs>
3: the wisdom <laughs> over here is dramatic. No, 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 no. The, w- the wisdom comes from those who made the quiz up. <laughs> of course, it's message. The wisdom
2: comes yeah. from the book in which the yeah, person yeah. Was, uh,
3: You know, the it, what's interesting from. about Anissimus is that um, early Bible history suggests that he may have become a bishop. <laughs> yeah. He went from being a slave to being a prisoner, and with Paul kind of intervening on his behalf and maybe getting him, you know, funding his training or who knows what, he became a bishop.
2: Isn't that interesting? So your answer would be? Onesimus. Onesimus, Onesimus. exactly. And always check me on my answers. You can check that out in the book of Philemon, verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains.
0: And this brings up an interesting question as we talk about Wild Mission and Wild Mission working for orphans and widows, mission.com. I know, Jim, you've been there for 20 years, over 20 years, Mm -hmm. and I know that you have had people like we saw yesterday. But has anybody ever got involved in spiritual church work or in becoming a pastor or doing that? Do you have any information like that?
3: Yeah. You know, I I have a pic, but it's not on this page. I don't know if I can access it. uh, Instead of showing you a pic, one day last month, I spent pretty much an entire day with uh, 60 young adult uh, Bible students. All of them had been orphans at one time. Now they're young adults and they're training for the ministry. One of the things we do is we train people for the ministry uh, in Malawi. We're not doing it anywhere else uh, in South Africa or Z- Zambia. We are st- starting to do it in Chennai, India. but. Mm here you have all of these keeners and they wanted to hear from me in terms of the uh, biblical underpinning for my constant message on righteousness and justice. You know, I've been preaching righteousness and justice for over 50 years. And so I took them through a a pretty uh, comprehensive overview of scripture that relates to righteousness and justice. And uh, I did three hours. in one one fell swoop three hours Uh, they're taking notes the whole time they're totally engaged they they had to take a little bathroom break but they wanted to know if I would give them another three hours and I, I said to them you know an old preacher said to me one day when I was just starting out in the ministry you know Jim the mind can absorb, no more than the seat <laughs> can endure. <laughs> they, they, they laughed at that. I said, no, ne- next time. But th- this is a big part of what we do. It's not just the case of us caring for orphans and widows and training young adults and doing all that we do, but a, a very significant value added from our perspective to them, as they have told me, is my role as kind of the uh, elder statesman Bible teacher, you know, uh, the father figure. I, I'm old enough to be a father to everybody there. I'm always the oldest in the crowd, uh, but you know it's it's in my wheelhouse. I mean, this is what I do on JCT and Jim Candle on Today Television, which is taped right here in the studio. Um, I teach the Bible now. In in that case, I do Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, and John. We're in John now, finally after five years, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as we finish John, Ryan, who is my producer director, and already knows, we're going to go back to Matthew and start all over again. Yeah, can't wait people need Mm -hmm. to hear about Jesus people you know they don't need to hear religious arguments they don't need they don't need to hear theories they they don't need somebody beating a drum for a certain denominational value Mm -hmm. they just need to hear about Jesus if you you embrace Jesus everything else looks after itself ultimately that doesn't mean you're lazy or you know uh, irresponsible you know you got to You gotta study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means context, context, context. What's it say in Genesis? What's it say in Revelation? This is something you're doing all the time. You go through the whole Bible in a year. I mean, I don't know how you do it, but you do it. Um, Anyhow, uh, that way I'm able to be involved not only in gender-based violence mitigation, which we are big time, uh, protecting young girls and young widows from sexual Um, assault we have two uh, safe houses in Africa an amazing story there really but um, you know we're not just doing that we're just not just caring for people who are dying Uh, we're 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 not just uh, uh, meeting them on their level of uh, basic need we're also uh, exposing uh, the scriptures to them and that's that's to me is the perfect combination of righteousness and justice because with righteousness, we're teaching them the word of God. With justice, we're caring for their, uh, content- uh, their, their current need. And that way, you're covering all the bases.
0: So it's important to remember that uh, next year, uh, India is predicted to take over population of China, to go yeah. higher than China. Yeah. India is also where we've started. We've got to be careful what we say. About yeah,
3: it. Yeah. In fact, I finally got clearance. I'm going to be able to go early sometime next year. We haven't decided the dates yet. Uh, and because the, um, the national government have closed down at this point 6,000 uh, charities that are funded mm-hmm. by what they would call foreigners, uh, I wanna be really careful that our ministry there doesn't fall under the axe as well. And so far, so good. Our, our ministry there has worked in concert with uh, the uh, city government in Chennai and also the state government in uh, T- uh, Tamil Nadu. Uh, to provide for two or three thousand now uh, first frontline workers in the COVID crisis with uh, what they call COVID kits, you know, um, gloves, hazmat suits, you know, uh, uh, antiseptic, whatever you call it, stuff for sterilizing the hands. Yep. And anyway, um, th- my our partner there called me shortly after COVID started and said, you know, Pastor, they always call me Pastor. Um, there is this need, can you help us with this? And I immediately said, absolutely. You know, I've always had the view that money follows ministry. You commit yourself to the ministry and then the money will follow. And that's exactly what happened there. And we were able to supply about 3,000. And well, this had a huge impact on the government. Here's a charity that, you know, they're funded outside, but look what they're doing for us. So, so far, so good. So <laughs> when we go this time, we're going to go as tourists. And if we go as a tourist, we don't uh, put our... Uh, charity there at risk.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting, Southern Indians.
3: By the way, guess what? In India, we've taken on two new people groups. Gypsies and snake catchers.
0: What in the world is a snake
3: catcher? A snake catcher is the lowest of the low. He goes out and he catches uh, venomous snakes that are biting people in the villages. Hmm. Um, All Indians consider gypsies and snake catchers to be subhuman. So to not even they're not human. Achieve the human. No, no they're there. not human. So you know, in responding to Jesus' call to care for the least of these, there's the least of these. Well, I, t- I thought it was just orphans and widows, but it's it's, it's these people too.
0: And that's very interesting. On the next program, WowMission.com. WowMission.com. Go there and uh, support Jim Cantelon. He does a great job on his show, but he's it's just a great ministry, and uh, we support him and uh, all of that. So make sure that you do that. Right now, let's get back to the prayer time. I wanna remind you that of course, 3.30 Eastern time in the United States of America, we are live every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery TV. Just look up Bible Discovery TV because we have a prayer meeting going on and we'll update you what's going on in the world. Pray for those things and then we'll pray for your request as you type them in. Father, we pray today and we thank you for your loving help. Help us to make decisions your way. In Jesus name, amen.